0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to another pink bike podcast it's me, Mike Levy, and I am sitting across from the one and only Henry Quinney in the Pink Bike office. Today is a bit of a snow day, so I think that 's what we might call the podcast, Henry
1: yeah, the Pink bike snow day, yeah, just you can use our excuse for not getting anything done to not get anything done as well.
0: listen to us <laughs> while you guys not get anything done <laughs> i 'm there with you in spirit, everybody. So today is, I think we're just going to like sit around and shoot the shit. We're going to talk about the year. We're going to talk about bikes. We're going to talk about some things that we didn't like. We're going to talk about some things that we liked. Field tests, testing bikes, travel, Henry. Travel. World Cup. We're going to talk pink bike racing team. You guys just (laughs) missed the pink bike relationship podcast. We forgot to press record. Henry and I were having a serious (laughs) discussion.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that one. (laughs) I think you and I would have a great relationship podcast, Henry. I thought you were gonna say we'd have a great relationship and I was oh, we have I was good- operating the li- illusion that we did. <laughs> That's the best kind of relationship yeah. though, isn't it?
0: I text you once a month, you text me once a month, perfect. You know,
1: about once a month me and or Levi and I will basically send a weird like make a and reference. Yeah. And then we don't speak for another month. Yeah. <laughs> that Flavio Briatori. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: we got our F one reference out of the way there, <laughs> yeah, didn't nice we? Nice and early. early yes, yeah, yeah. Henry, since it's snow so so snowy outside, mm-hmm. what do you get up to in weather like this?
1: Honestly, man, I'm I'm under. It's funny, you know. We were kind of talking about this off uh, off mic for a bit, but I'm under this mission this year. You know, there's the Michael Jordan thing. Be like Mike. Yeah, and with all due respect, I'm talking about the other Mike. Yeah, that's fair. Because Kaz just has a nice time regardless of the snow or like for instance Kaz will be like oh I heard him today. I'm gonna do some cross-country skiing or he might do some at like some downhill skiing or maybe he rides e-bikes if he wants to maybe he rides cross-country bikes for me I'm like a like a candle in the wind if it's not perfect I'm like oh this is bullshit man the snow I'm trying to actually be more level-headed and enjoy skiing this year I'm trying to take a leaf out of Kaz's book and yeah just trying to like lean into not being angry at the weather But I'm always angry. Since I got to Canada, I'm always like, it's too wet. It's too hot. It's too snowy. And I need to just chill the hell out.
0: (laughs) That sounds exactly like something I would say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I need to just, like, learn to enjoy it. Too hot. (laughs) All these people are, like, enjoying winter for what it is. Yeah. And I need to, I think I need a, a big, like, paradigm shift in the way I view things. Yeah. And I'm trying to get better at skiing. I'm... I mean, I've got a ferocious snowplow on me. You should see me down these green ones. Just, it's great when you have the sticks in skiing. I mean, I assume they're to beat the children out of the way. Yeah. On the, I just terrorize the green scopes, just hitting little Brad and Mackenzie over the head <laughs> with these ski poles, man. Um, and yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get better at skiing. That sort of, but it's hard because it's just ultimately not as fun as biking. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I'm really
1: trying. Have I ever
0: told you about the one time I went skiing? Oh no. Go on. Yeah. So. I did not grow up skiing or snowboarding. Like we didn't have the money to be doing things like that. So I just never did that mm, kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I've I've never done any snow sports and a friend of mine, Ricky, he thought he'd take me skiing. I've never skied. Mm. I'd never snowboarded. I don't stand on skateboards. I don't do any board, anything. So I don't know about edges and like all these things, you guys, mm. these words, you guys you don't use. know about edging.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, um, I, uh, he takes me out and, Instead of me like going for some lessons, I'm 30, by the way, so I can't learn anything. I already know this. <laughs> and uh, he takes me out and instead of like doing some lessons or sliding down a hill and learning how to do things, the first thing we do is go skinning up Mount Baker. No way. <laughs> <laughs> And I've got these boots that uh, uh, they've, a very nice person, Lee actually, sent sent me a bunch of ski gear and stuff to for me to get into this. And I put these boots on and like, we're like... We're working really hard up this hill like i like working hard but i'm like man my feet fucking hurt i better not say anything though i'm not going to say anything ricky doesn't like me complaining so i'm not gonna complain (laughs) man my feet really freaking hurt Mm. though uh it takes me like three hours to get down one run Mm. like i can't do it i i just like i cannot do it and then we're like going back to the vehicle and my feet really hurt dude like they really hurt Mm. and i'm like ricky my feet hurt he says shut up these are the people that I hang with. <laughs> anyway so I take my boots off and he says holy shit we should go to the hospital <laughs> there was a blister on my foot like the size of the biggest iPhone that you could get and I had to sleep so I slept with my feet I slept on the couch and I slept with my feet up on the back of the couch for two weeks I just sleep with my feet above the rest of my body and it was winter I couldn't wear shoes for like almost a month I hate snow, dude. I hate it.
1: Yeah, fair. But it's funny. I, I remember. You no, know, it's funny what you said. That like I grew up. Yeah, definitely. Growing up on a farm, I mean, we never. I never left the country until I was like eighteen. You don't need should... toys. You got a tractor. Yeah, basically, <laughs> also any anything you do that's remotely fun, that could be, t- um, is it tangentially related to farming? but I would be like, well, instead of doing like instead of playing a racing game on the um, on the PlayStation why don't you come out and do some rolling on the field or why don't you come and drive you know do bale carting with me i'm like dad not everything has to be you know in it you know judging its proximity to farming but yeah so like we never went away and we could never afford to go skiing or anything yeah. when i got skiing i remember i worked in a ski shop that was oh, i was basically a hangover from the summer i would never been seen snow really apart from the, the bits we get in the <laughs> did weekend.
0: you tell them this before they hired oh, you oh yeah. yeah
1: i said like you know i don't know this is what I can do whatever like I'll I'll be quite friendly I'll be quite good customer service but I have no idea what what I'm talking about you know and I remember I think coming 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 to skiing as an adult I was quite maybe this isn't fair to say but I was quite shocked at the cultural difference because I remember someone saying to me like oh I don't need this job but it's nice to have something to do because a lot of people in skiing at least in my initial experience they come from yeah like European skiing a, a bit of money you know and they'd done, the reason they got into skiing was because every year they went to Valdezerva for two, two weeks and, <laughs> and it was, it was completely alien to me and I think that, you know, although often I do kind of um, push back or to be honest, let's face it, I, I definitely fan the flames of like, oh guys, don't worry about internal headset routing or don't worry about yeah. bikes getting more expensive or new standards but actually I think a lot of the time it's a very sort of measured response to the fact that we're seeing biking become less and less less and less i mean bikes are never cheap but mm. it's, it's becoming harder to get into
0: is it though well i don't know i've i've been arguing in the comment section yeah. a bit I, about I think this. i think
1: it's really it's really difficult because lots of things i mean if we go off how more expensive bikes have got they seem disproportionate but if you compare it to the housing prices in bc it's actually not got as expensive as other things yeah so it depends what you compare it to but that said i feel that there was I felt like when I got into riding, it was really difficult to find parts that fit all the time and the standards weren't that great. But there was a golden period in about 2014-15 yeah. where everything had gone to 27.5, but it was like a 142 rear end, a 15mm axle, and everything kind of fit. And then since Boost came in, it, it the, the standards have gone a bit weird sometimes and they haven't quite settled in the same way. So I don't know if it's more expensive, but it does, to me, feel there's maybe more... Maybe the accusation of superficial changes is easier to make.
0: So I, having come back from that Whistler field test, I would say there have been lots of small changes, but they've all added up to like incredible, amazing bikes. But I would also say you can definitely spend way more on a bike than Mm. obviously ever before. Like $13,000 for like a stock off the shelf bike. Did
1: you see the $15,000 Scott Hardtail?
0: Yeah, exactly. Crazy. So, so yes, you could spend like three times as much as you used to. Like I remember I remember when the Cannondale downhill bike, Super V DH 4000 came out and it was like $5,200 or what American, you know? And like, that was insane back then. So you could spend way more now. But also, Henry, like if you go back to 2005, 2004, what any year, you want to spend $1,300 on a hardtail to go mountain biking. You compare that $1,300 hardtail from then to now, Like, it's way better. Oh, yeah. No, no. You're getting way more bike. But also, you know. I don't buy the more expensive.
1: I mean, but I think if you look at something like, you know, maybe 2015, I think, for instance, you could get something like a Kona process and had that first generation, maybe second generation Pike, you know, and they've kind of revamped it and it wasn't just some, you know, coil fork with a U-turn. It was actually like a really good Enduro fork now, 160mm 650B. Yeah. Um. And you could get like a Kona process for like three grand. You get like a carbon specialized, with pretty solid spec for like four and a half. This this is in pounds sterling, sorry. So, I'm not saying that. I think, like you said, there were maybe there are outliers which really do shock the system. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I think the, I think sometimes the response, is, maybe isn't. I don't know if it's justified or not. But I think it's a very real fear that this is going to go to a, because you know what, like. And I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here. I'm just choosing which one. (laughs) Uh,
0: Choose both, Henry.
1: Yeah, but talking to skiers, sorry, talking to climbers in Squamish, like over last summer, and they were all just just doing it with so much love and passion. And they lived in a Ford Fiesta at the bottom of the Chief. Yeah. And they're out there every day. And they had such like a pure, no bullshit approach to climbing. And then you'd go up Diamond Head and you'd see people in like matching pyjama suits to ride one. I think you're
0: making assumptions though.
1: Those I mean people, oh yeah,
0: those people might love biking just oh, no, as much no, no, as no, the but, climbers. No, but,
1: I, but, I, but I, no, it's not it's not about that but what I'm saying is that there does seem to me to be a degree of a lack of dirt bagness in, in mountain biking, yeah compared to what it used to be like I remember it used to be a real maybe that's just me mm-hmm. getting older as well.
0: see the sky zone also where we yeah. live I think like I was having this discussion in the comment section somebody was like ten thousand dollar bikes who buys these things like Henry, let's go to this diamond head trailhead. You want to see some $10,000 bikes. Like Mm. everybody like has really expensive bikes here because people move here to ride. So Mm. if you move, like if that's a priority, if you move somewhere to ride, you have your job, your whole life, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, your friends revolve around it. You want to spend seven grand on a bike. That's not crazy at all.
1: No, you're totally right. And also, let's get this straight. I am also one of the people up there on a really expensive bike and really nice kit, you know, jackknifing into turns <laughs> so like but but I remember like being like see you know like nostalgia is heroin for old people right and yeah. I'm here talking about oh the good old days but I remember I think maybe it's just being younger because I'm sure there are some kids in Whistler living the exact same experience I did Yeah. but like you know our holiday was going to live in a multi-story car park in Italy to ride bikes there mm-hmm. you know what I mean or people are still doing that still, people still do of course but what I mean is I don't know it, it, it feels like maybe it's just to be fair the limited people I do hang out hang out with are almost always more financially secure and more stable than me. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. and you know, they've worked half of their money. Why not? I don't really know what point I'm trying to make, but I'm just going to say that I do understand the somewhat shock value of yeah. seeing a really expensive bike and being like, you know what? I'm on the internet. It's got a comment section. Why not give it shit?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? One thing that I think is the is the issue with this stuff is I'm guilty of this too. It's easy to get caught up in like what tier components Mm -hmm. are on a bike and realize like, okay, like, you know, this bike costs seven grand and it comes with, you know, components that you should maybe expect to see on a bike that costs five grand or even less. Mm -hmm. But, and that is a, that's a fair criticism. Like when you're shopping for bikes, like you're checking out, like this one has a better, this, and that one has a better, that, like you have to take all this into consideration, Mm -hmm. like open up your Google doc and do your homework. But at the same time, it's easy to get too caught up in the details and get focused on the fact that your bike has a GX derailleur instead of an XO one derailleur. And just forget about the fact that it all works really fucking good. <laughs> and you don't need a $10,000 bike. You can get a $1,500 bike that is multiple times better than a $1,500 bike from five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and i I realize right now, like sure that bike, it might have, uh, n x instead of x o one on it now, like it you know five years ago it might have had nicer stuff, but the stuff still works good, and i don't know. I understand because like i'm you know i'm i I'm currently throwing all my money at sim gear, so I'm like doing all mm. of the homework Are you and playing
1: sims one two or three, <laughs>
0: all of them and, and- <laughs> I was never any good at any of those <laughs> but. I, I feel like I like I'm super interested in the tech, so so then I go like don't way down these roads and I get stuck in these forums and like this has this and this has this and this is three ninety nine and this is four ninety nine like,
1: dude I'm in mean, the same thing with skis at the moment yeah yeah like the, bikes were good yeah, <laughs> skis were good it's it's true I mean I think, <laughs> I th- I think you're totally right, and wouldn't it I mean it's funny isn't it because if I was to buy a bike for me, like I would happily just have Dior. I'd, I'd. So yeah. I'd. I'd like to think. I should caveat that. I would like to think I'm sensible enough to just be happy with Dior SLX. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, you say, you're going to say you're going spend five grand on something, and then you see a slightly better deal for five and a half. You think I'll spend five and a half, mm. and you see a slightly better deal for six, and so you basically end up just like a step ladder. Just your budget just goes up and up yeah. because it like hop hopscotches from each bike, yeah. and then before you know it, you're looking at eight grand builds you know yeah but I think it's German I also I think the way that bikes I think that the way that we characterize or understand the industry in terms of sorry the way that largely I think the consumer and a lot of our perhaps even our readers understand how bike companies make money I think is wrong because I think that we look at it like they make their money off the frame but it's not true a bike company, the way they make their money is they need to build the frame to hang the OE parts off that are getting really cheap, because then you're comparing like, you know, then you you think of a, a group set, a group set of retail set costs a thousand dollars, that's basically almost like an artificial price because the OE price, so the original equipment price, is going to be so cheap, maybe a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. so then they can inflate the price of their bike. So I think a lot of bike brands aren't necessarily these massive companies that are trying to sell you the best frame i think a lot of them are trying to sell you the best frame to which they can hang their bike parts yeah that they're buying at an oe deal because they are vendors as much as anything and so you see a a frame only that costs four grand people say that's outrageous which it is but they don't want you to buy a frame because that's one less thing that they can hang they can't hang shimano xt off exactly and i was speaking to some smaller brands maybe a couple of years ago and they were saying that the oe pricing from shimano and sram is so aggressive and fair enough you know they build and sell in huge quantities but it's literally like you know like they can never even get a look in
2: yeah
1: like you know it's like one dollar for a set of brake pads and if they want to do their stuff it's like so substantially more yeah and so I, th- I think that you know when we look at bikes yes you can look at it as saying you know these things are really 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 expensive or we just need to look at the mechanisms which govern the bike industry and that a bike company doesn't own a factory; it rents a slot in a factory production slot in six months' time, and it has to make hang enough bits with enough markup off their frame. Mm-hmm. To then, and so I'm not criticising that because listen, like you know, I work in the bike industry; I've always worked in the bike industry. It's glass houses and stones, you know. I, I don't want to, but I think that yeah, it's it's a difficult one to unpick sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you ride any? relatively inexpensive
1: bikes this year did you test any i haven't done i did that kona there was a kona process which is probably about four or five thousand yeah i remember on a bike a yellow one <laughs> yeah one five three which was a really good bike actually i really liked it it was um i think it made a rod for its own back in the really balanced geometry so easy to ride yeah but then it just didn't have enough damping on the shock tune oh yeah and you kind of felt like you're falling through its travel quite a bit but that would have been a great bike yeah with, with a different shock tune it would be really really great but i haven't done as much testing i don't like this year yeah why is that Pink bike racing consumed my life. Yeah, I mean, in a way that I I didn't expect. Um, I
0: feel like I remember saying, if we go back a year, I remember saying, Henry, you should just stay in Squamish and. Yeah, I
1: mean, should have <laughs> would have could. I've had a fucking wild year, man. You have, yeah. Um, How many World Cups did you go to? I went to all the whole season of World Cups. I didn't go to World Champs. Yeah, um, but we went to some like, you know, national rounds and stuff as well. And yeah, too much traveling. Too much
0: It's the dream life though. You're going to bike races, working on bikes, it... riding bikes all the time, Isn't... I imagine.
1: I, I think that listen, I think I'm gonna be really honest here, and I think that and I don't think I speak for myself alone. Yeah. I think working on the World Cups, it appeals to your ego. And I think it appealed to my ego. I think I I have always felt very insecure about being ex World Cup mechanic. I wanted to show that I could I could yeah. do it or wasn't just some you know, that, that I was reasonably competent, heaven forbid. And um, I think I got sucked into the ego, but actually it didn't make me happy.
0: Yeah. Why well, didn't think it make it happy? Was it super stressful? Like, it looks it stressful. It was, it was... And the travel, like...
1: Yeah. I think... I miss riding my bike. I didn't ride a bike just from... Just hours from literally, like, March until September. So why not,
0: though? Like, you're... So you're at a ski resort. Mm-hmm. The lift is running. Mm-hmm. The people that you're wrenching for, they... Like, I'm sure you have spare time to oh, go riding.
1: No, no, no. How does this... No. no so, like, you know, normally... Like, I didn't even watch the races. Oh. Like, you know, like, you get there. The first thing you do, I mean, it depends on the team, but often the mechanics are looked at as general helpers as well for a lot of a lot of things. So you get there, pit set up. Um, also, I was helping sort of with the management side of the team, which would be general email and communication stuff. Then, so normally it'd be like pit set up day, then you try and get into some bike builds if you can. You have to do some general communication with sponsors and stuff to make sure any parts delivered, et cetera.
0: How far apart is the bike? Like when you say bike builds, are you building a frame from scratch because you have to check um, all this you gear? Would be, or?
1: It would be two full rebuilds because I had two riders. Yeah. So then on, on what would normally be track walk day, hopefully you got the pit set up, you would do two full rebuilds. I'd also do my tech video. Yeah. And then I'd be editing, I'd be making sure that was good to go out at the, at the nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, then on Friday, Friday was probably Friday or Saturday. So qualifying or practice days were your quietest days which are still really busy because they could come back down with their bike in any state yeah. and has to be completely serviced. I mean, you wouldn't do a, a frame rebuild, but you might do things like brake bleeds and tyre swaps and all this sort of stuff, But just this adds up. Well, maybe, they're
0: waiting for you as well, which I mean, is maybe, stressful. Or, or
1: maybe, because if, you, if you've got a rider in A and B practice, B practice goes up really early in the morning, about eight o'clock, and then A practice joins about 11 and there's a bit of a swap over. Yeah. So whilst that's, once B practice is gone, provided you've got the bike sorted the night before, you actually have a couple of hours of downtime but there's always something to do. Then once the bike came back and the other bike went, you'd then be working on one bike and then you get, I mean, you might not get the bike from B practice back, your elite rider back till after time training at like five o'clock. Then you do all that. So maybe it's seven, eight o'clock, but sometimes like, you know, because the, especially at the start of the year, there were so many supply chain issues. Like at Fort William, I don't know how many wheels I built, just because we didn't have the stock before, not because we were breaking them. Didn't I, th- I
0: seem to remember you needing me to bring five hundred pounds of Shimano gear to Sea Otter or something? Yeah, yeah,
1: and that you know I flew over with, you know, I, f- I can't remember how many, maybe eighty kilos of Shimano gear. Yeah, to Fort William, which is I not-
0: thought I was getting screwed across the border.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you invoice it and you like you know if there's a bill to pay, you just have to pay it. You just yeah. do by the book. But um, listen, like. Like it's not like traveling. Like oh, just me and my carry on. It's like eight bike boxes. Yeah, <laughs> five connecting flights. You know, it's kind of crazy. Are the riders responsible? So the race
0: is over. No. Are the riders taking their bikes apart, boxing their bikes, taking their bikes it, it to depend- the airport? It
1: depends on the team. Um, you know, um, I think they should. Okay, I, so I guess that means no. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, okay. You know, I mean, I, I think that. I know. I guess listen the mechanics just work we just did terrific yeah. hours and then like you know after the race as soon as ben would finish he would drop in yeah you come straight back down and you're packing down the pits yeah you know maybe have the live stream on if you can get signal and then as soon as that happens you maybe finish that you would do the other comms bits and stuff like that and then you would go straight to the next world cup yeah and just do it all again
0: here i had images of you flitting around europe in the
1: PB. Honestly, I'm someone renowned for my flitting. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) But I... I I mean, honestly, I'm really glad I did it. But it was... um, I don't want to sound like I'm bitching and moaning, but... Yeah. Listen, I have such a nice life living in BC. Yeah. I thought I'd just come back to it.
0: Yeah. So you like working on
1: bikes, right? Yes. Period. Yeah. Well, I think... I like working on bikes, but I think the thing with the World Cup is that it's the test, you know? Yeah. I like the test. Yeah. And also, it's nice to be with the action is.
0: What was... As far as mechanical stuff goes, mm-hmm. what was the hardest part of the year? Was there like was there a point where a rider came down and like the clock is ticking and they um, need their new wheel or something?
1: I mean, it wasn't hardest part of the year was maybe. To be honest, it was probably team camp. Yeah, we you know we we didn't even have the suspension forks and stuff like that, and then we only had one mechanic, which was me. So I was uplift driver mechanic. You know, so you'd be changing settings in the day and then you'd be going home and rebuilding bikes at night and people want to change the wheel size, which means a different rear end. And then you're trying to build wheels. And, you know, that was regularly like, you know, coming. I remember I got off the plane. I don't know if I should talk about this because I don't want to sound like I'm bitching. No, no, we're just being real. Reality situation is, you know, you get off the plane flying from Vancouver to Paris, you drive eight hours, maybe five hours, and then you Mm -hmm. work till three o'clock in the morning building bikes for the next day because you got, we had like, you know, French national and then you're jet lagged to fuck during 18 hour days for two weeks and then you go home and have a mental breakdown.
0: (laughs) 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 Everything is fine. And then you go to change your own flat tire and it's just curl up into a ball, start crying. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, eh? Like how from the outside it looks, you you know, you look like a world traveler going to world cup races Mm -hmm. and like. But on the internet, and I know you had fun too. But like, yeah, I mean,
1: I had so much fun, and I learned so much, and I, I, I think I, I sounds really lame, and I don't want to turn this to Ellen Degeneres, but I felt like I grew as a person. Uh, yes, you know, and I think, um, I think actually I had the confi. I think what this is given me is the confidence to say, like, you know, my, you know, I think it's really interesting what what mechanisms we have drive us, yeah, you know, and f- basically due to this shitty insecurity about being on the internet and people being like and no, I didn't have the confidence and just large bits of imposter syndrome I went to the extent to make myself really uncomfortable for 8 months yeah but actually maybe just challenge that and be like it's not worth it why do i care so much about what people think of me that i'm prepared to do all that shit yeah just so i can score you know validity on on the internet like yeah. fuck that
0: we like that you're an actual cut mechanic that's how I start every podcast. I moving forward, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, oh, here I am with Henry Quinney, ex-World Cup <laughs> mechanic, everybody. Yeah, it makes me... Um, I know you don't like it that. It makes
1: me so uncomfortable,
0: man. Yeah. Because that's a cool thing, dude. Like, I know it. I, you you don't feel like you mm. were there, but you were there, and you were I doing was, the though, thing, and that's um, a World Cup mechanic. You like, were World Cup mechanic. I know, but
1: I I look at people who... Because, I guess because... Is it looking like anything? Like, if you were... For instance right you you raced cross-country you did all this you did some big hooks in utah whatever but you weren't doing it in, in a, an elite capacity you speak know? for yourself no, but, yeah no i know n- yes. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. and like and listen like i never achieved what i wanted to as a workout mechanic and i never worked on a like i don't really I ever like got it nailed like working in terms of being like wow i really managed to change someone's racing experience yeah you know like i helped a lot of people but really they were in their own direction i was just maintaining you know and so for me like it's the difference between you know being like like one of many people that help say a football club and being like the head coach Mm -hmm. you know and like I, i i just i don't feel like like i've done enough to I and mean, it comes back to the ego thing again, maybe, but I haven't done enough to prove myself in that capacity yeah. to be comfortable with it. And I'm happy to be uncomfortable because I think that actually, you know, like so much stuff in this, like I'm going to sound like a Daily Mail article here. I'm not that person, but so much stuff in this world in terms of a wider thing is like a particip- participation trophy sort of vibe. Um, and I actually think it's sometimes really good to walk away dissatisfied. I think sometimes it's really good to just be really pissed off that you didn't do enough. And that's just how it is. And I it's feel like I do that every day. Yeah, but you also do no work.
0: <laughs> don't tell them that.
1: No, I mean I don't want to sound like I'm preaching because I am.
0: Give me give me some highlights from your year oh. at doing pick by Grayson. Um
1: Amy getting third at Fort William was an incredible the the thing that is amazing about World Cup Mechanican is that you can actually help people do something that's really close to their heart. Mm-hmm. Amy getting third in a first podium was amazing. Amy nearly winning at Snowshoe was super cool. Um and Catherine, twenty fourth at Fort William. Mm-hmm um it was it was amazing it was really really nice to to help him in that part of the journey you know um yeah and that was great really really
0: great you signed up for
1: three more years no i'm oh. done. i'm i'm, I'm done zed um going to spend more time in canada like i think i had a bit of a master plan after the season to move to south america yeah and live the summer there and it didn't quite work out there was some visa I mean, last time I, we spoke on the podcast i just got went to chile to go for a ride and they wouldn't let me back into argentina <laughs> And it was just this horribly stressful Wild experience. Life. And then we tried to get so we're like sweet, so then we found a place to live in in, in Pucon, Um and the day before we moved in, we got the contract through and it was a twelve month lease and we said, Would we be able to put this onto a six month lease? because I might be going back to Canada in in like April and they said, No, you it's a twelve month lease and now you've told us that we're definitely not gonna let you have the place And we were like, Oh shit, and basically like the airbnb lifestyle is like literally 10 times more expensive in january and february because they're like the holiday months in chile
2: yeah
1: so we're like oh we'll we'll just go back to canada and um and then we found out like we got this immigration device we found out due to some city visa issues that we had to actually get into canada before the certain date which was six months before we thought we had to and so we had like eight days to get to canada so it literally just like car sold giving away all my shit yeah and then we flew back and that was like you know two weeks ago or something so it's been a very stressful time. But now I'm just looking forward to having a more sedentary lifestyle, I think. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that for a year and then I'll go do something I was know, weird. I know.
0: <laughs> so the next time you tell me you're leaving to go do something crazy, I feel like I should just play this podcast for Honestly, you. Honestly,
1: <laughs> no, it's done. Like I said last year, my New Year's resolution was not leaving Squamish. Yeah. And I, I did three months. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, like, I think that I, again, you know, I think ego is a very important word. We've all got an ego yeah you know it depends what feeds it but i think that for me the challenge of south america and the world cups was irresistible and the challenge wasn't some um you know let's face it it was it was an eager thing it was to prove something to myself or whatever
0: yeah.
1: and i just you know fell into the trap of the pitfalls of ego um yes but i'm back here trying to be more humble it'll, 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 it'll wear off and I'll i'm will his... i'm
0: glad you're back henry i hope you stay for
1: a while i hope i do too i, I hope i um hope I have a good summer we're yeah. really looking forward to the spring and the summer. Maybe we'll ride a bike. I we've never let's talk about this because last year I mean you were riding but you weren't maybe enjoying your riding as much. You wouldn't want to come out for a you know, cut a couple of laps of the bike park with me or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you've kind of got back into it a bit more yeah. this year.
0: This week's Pink Bike Podcast is presented by Bosch E Bike Systems. Bosch is a company that's been deeply involved with the sport of EMTB racing since the very beginning, and now it has a drive unit developed specifically for competition. The Performance Line CX Race Motor was recently unveiled at the EWS E Finals in Italy. It has a new race mode that's designed for maximum speed on challenging technical terrain. To learn more about the new Bosch Performance Line CX Race Limited Edition Drive Unit, check out www.bosch-ebike.com. Now back to the podcast.
1: Are you still riding the terrible, terrible gravel bike?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a foot of snow outside, so not not currently. So they but can't yeah. even ride on snow? No, I don't do any cycling right now. It's too cold. No. No.
1: Have you ever got a fat bike? Genuinely, like, this is me trying to...
0: Yeah, so I had a Salsa bike buck saw maybe mm. i apologize if that's not the name of it but i think it was a four inch travel full suspension fat bike wow. i had it in the summer oh. and, <laughs> and i oh, rode lady. no no just hear me out i had a ton of fun um <laughs> this mountain close to my house I where i was living at the time for the summer <laughs> has a ton of motorbike trails and they're so technical and and ride like you can't really ride a lot of them on mountain bikes but on a fat bike you just slow down, and you could just tractor up a lot of it and down a lot of it, and it was
1: kind of fun. Mm. Yeah, I would never own one. But why not in the winter? Do you th- but this—this well, this what I don't understand. I feel like the, I don't know. If, I've, I've never ridden a fat bike in the snow. Yeah, I'm really curious because in my head I think eighty, like eighty kilograms a person mm-hmm. having two contact p- patches is smaller than my foot. Hmm. it doesn't matter if they're three inches wide or four inches wide or two and a half inches wide. If the snow's soft, yeah. you can have the same problem.
0: Yeah, you got to ride them on the right track. Like, okay, so I should also say, I, I don't know anything about fat bikes. So I mean, somebody, of yeah, so, somebody out there is going to correct Ontario me. Ontario is listing. <laughs> yes, Ontario, <laughs> correct me, please. But it has to be on the right kind of trails. It has right. to be on groomed stuff, I guess, for best results. And I think like when it's hard packed, groomed stuff, there are lots of places where... Like, guys are hauling ass on fat bikes and mm. having fun, but listen, like, bikes are my life. They're your life, too, you know? They, mm. they take up a lot of our lives, and they have for almost 30 years. So, for me, if a bit of snow comes, like, we don't get a ton of snow, so if I can't ride for a month, like, it's not the end of the world, because guess what? Like, Kaz is probably yelling at me, telling me to write something about bikes, you know, and yeah. this and that. Like, yeah. there's so much bikes to begin with that if it snows, I don't need to get on a fat bike. I don't care, mm. you know? And I think that you asked me about not riding as much mountain bikes last mm. year and just to pick a number, you know, like m- most years, say somewhere between like 150 to 200 rides a year, just because we live in BC. So we mm. can, we have decent weather. Um, Kaz is out there doing 400 rides a year. Because,
1: <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, we we have a phrase at Pink Bike. when someone needs something getting done, they call me because I have Kaz's number and I <laughs> ring him. <laughs> <laughs> but he just
0: gets everything done. His bike yeah, rides he's incredible. is incredible. He, he yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard. So uh, my point is, this year I did you know instead of 150 to 200 mountain bike rides, I might have did like 75 mm. or 80 mountain but bike that's rides. Nice though, right? Well, I also did you know 50 or 70. I don't know. I'm not keeping track. Like I basically split it between a different kind of biking, and mm. it made my mountain biking so much more enjoyable. Mm. I'm just. I know there's people out there that are like, you know, the rider dies, mm. like, like get banned, mm. you know, like life changes, and there was a time when like, dude, I remember, I remember n- multiple New Year's where like we wouldn't drink, Wayne and I, because like we wanted to like ride the next mm-hmm. day, and like everything revolved around and now biking. You're just speedballing
1: now you're speed bowling heroin. Now,
0: yes, <laughs> let's go riding. <laughs> but my my point is bikes. I've been doing bikes for a long time and there's a lot of bikes in our life and you, everybody needs to find the right balance and recipe for bikes. Mm. And for, for me this year, I enjoyed mountain biking more by doing it, you know, a hundred times instead of 150 times. Mm. And I enjoyed those hundred times way more than if I had done it 200 times. You know what I mean? No, I I
1: understand. I mean, I, yeah. Bikes
0: are great, period.
1: Bikes are great. I'm trying to. I think I'm eager now because I haven't ridden in so long. Yeah. You know, right, riding is something that, like to all of us, I mean, if you listen to us yak on this podcast, I imagine the listener bike's important to them as well. Um, but I just haven't ridden in so long and I, I really miss it. Yeah. You know, well, I it's a really fun miss sport. It. Yeah, it's a fun sport. And it's funny, in Argentina, the trails weren't as good as I thought they were going to be.
0: What are the trails like?
1: They were just, I mean, it's what it opened my eyes to is, and it's coming back to maybe what we we're talking about earlier on, you know, how bikes change. Listen, Argentina was had like, 25 percent inflation for like 20 years I think in 2001 one pacer was worth one US dollar now it's worth like 300 I mean it's so you know people buying stuff into the country and stuff like that is expensive and people tend to ride a like a 500 Canadian dollar hardtail something like that and to be honest it's funny because on those bikes like those trails have probably been actually quite good they're pretty smooth they weren't that steep but imagine they've been wild. <laughs> yeah. If you had like cable disc brakes and this, that, and the other, but I had my Spire, which is like this monster truck. Yeah, and I was just like, everything is quite tame, and yeah, and I didn't really enjoy the it. And then faultless Spire, the faultless Spire. What a bike! What a bike! I love that thing. I know. Um, but if anything that was a bit, a bit too much, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's I with mean, the what, gravel bike. That's one of
0: the things. Like yeah. I know people roll their eyes at me. Like right now, Kaz. Right now, Kaz is skinning up some like super steep snowy slope Mm -hmm. and he's rolling his eyes like he knows I'm saying something stupid. But that's exactly it. On the gravel bike, you're high posting, you have no traction because your tires are dumb and they're overinflated because you don't want to get a flat tire. You're probably mostly naked. And (laughs) the, like a trail that you wouldn't, a trail that you would avoid or that you would only use as a connector to get Mm. to another trail on a gravel bike, it's the greatest thing you've ever ridden. Yes, it's yes. incredible. No,
1: I, I I totally get that. I think that,
0: but all of this like, let's not talk gravel bikes.
1: No, I mean, but you know, after the season, I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, I'm going to ride every day for a month. I remember a couple of years ago, I got to Portugal, and I just said I was going to do a mile of vert a day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a large amount. It's like 1,600 meters of up. Yeah. It was it was a lot, but it was it was that structure gave me so much meaning to my riding. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just gonna do that again. I'll still at mile, of, mile of it a day for a month or two. And the riding was such a sort of heartbreak moment every night looking at the heat maps on Strava and this, that, and the other, trying to find the good stuff and I never really did. And um Was it fun?
0: Did you have fun doing that? Like do you need that sort of
1: motivation? For me, what, in terms of the, the number thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, okay. I love it. Same, yeah. I love I love just having a very particular goal. And um Yeah, I mean I don't know. I'm probably less now now I'm definitely more comfortable doing things for me, I think, yeah. in terms of just that, saying that number to myself. Um, and yeah, it's it's so nice to be like, today I am doing
0: this. Do you have riding goals for the year?
1: I think I used to. I and mean, I think I would love to have a, I mean, I've had such an inconsistent, since 2019, I moved back to the UK. I've had such an inconsistent, like, I haven't had, like, I haven't, i lived in the UK for 18 months. The last six months I didn't ride at all. Yeah. Just because it was like an hour and a half drive to the trails and it just did my nutting. Then I went to Portugal, got loads of riding in. Then I was waiting for a visa, went back to the UK, waited for like two months, then I had Canada, then the snow, and then the World Cups, and then South America. So I would love to have a year of just riding with like just a temperate climate. I can just ride every day. 2023, baby. Man, this snow needs in to be In Squamish. Out of here. Yeah. Um,. Oh man, I would, yeah. So I, I would love to have a yearly goal. I used to have the, all these um, you know, delusions of grandeur about how much I wanted to do and things like that. Same, yeah. Now I'm literally there like, if I can get out for an hour, like, I'll be stoked. Cause it's, it's also like, it's a, um, I think sometimes, I think it's a very natural human thing. But sometimes motivation can feel like momentum building and sometimes it can feel like a heat spot on the thing you love that's just going to fucking burn it. Yeah, And you're there like, with a magnifying glass on the ant. Like, so much pressure on yourself. Oh my God, I've waited three weeks for this ride. If it's yeah. not the best thing ever, and you're cycling up five minutes in, being like, why well, am I not enjoying this? It's not everything I ever wanted. Yeah. And so I, I need to kind of climb down from this sort of unhelpful viewpoint.
0: Are you going to have any goals for next year? Maybe wider goals, like not numbers.
1: I think I'd love to get some. What I'd like to do is I'd like to get better riding my downhill bike and maybe to do an Everest or something on a. Yeah. Just sneak up and just do one by myself. Are you downhill, bike? Maybe. No, I, th- I think what I'd like to do is basically, I think Everestin for me has is, is always been a thing. Or like, you know, being able to just like tap out two 3,000 meter days on the trot or something like that. Yeah. yeah. There's been like a stamp of approval that I'm reasonably fit. Yeah. And so I'd love to get to that sort of fitness that I can just go do a few thousand meters and just enjoy it. Yeah. Whilst also riding downhill all the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I'd quite like to do something cool, but I don't know what cool is anymore. It's quite difficult. Yeah, I don't know. I never knew. I tried once in 2013 to be cool. What didn't, happened? Didn't go well. What happened? Um, you know, I think at one point, I mean, I, I really put a lot of a lot of my personal stock in the backwards cap. <laughs> <laughs> First mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't go well, and I just thought, no, nah, that's. That's not for me. Yeah.
0: Do you have any? <laughs> what What are some highlights of the last year for you for riding? I know you didn't do a ton of riding, Ooh, but you I rode did. some bikes. Yeah. And... I mean, I,
1: I had two weeks in Morzine, which was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I don't, don't normally go in for that massive bike parky stuff, but had a downhill bike, just smashing runs. One of my best friends was there. Yeah. And we just had so much fun, and we found. I'm going to tell you this really funny story, which is this is probably the highlight of my year. I was having a beer with my friend, and he said, "You know what." <laughs> I'm going to start laughing talking about it. He explained that he was at a wedding early on in the summer and he had had a, a few beers and was enjoying himself. And he found what he thought was an unguarded brick of brie, the cheese, like oh. just a, a completely left alone. Yeah. And he ate like three quarters of this brick of what he thought was <laughs> <laughs> on, on digestives, just on the digestive biscuits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One after the other. Bam, bam, bam. And then he realized that someone told him that it was butter.
0: Oh, shit. <laughs> How do you not know that? He must have been drunk as shit. <laughs> I assume.
1: Yeah, he put, Just eat that
0: much butter. What happened to him?
1: I mean, I... I, 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 I assume he's, he's just destroyed, like... His cholesterol has spiked in a way it can never come back. More. Jesus. But yeah, he just that whole brick of cheese so butter he yeah. did a whole brick of butter but anyway, that's probably the highlight of my year finding that out. <laughs> jesus christ but no, i did the um enduro two, which i always talk about was a great event yeah and then um yeah then i kind of rode again a bit in pucon which is like kind of in in patagonia in chile big volcano yeah everything was like an ews stage like 700 meter drops and i love that style of riding when your hands are just crippling yes. loads of compressions and that was that was pretty special nice. how about you
0: yeah um i think that yeah i got a bunch of good rides in on all sorts of different bikes Mm. um we had some great times at field tests Mm. as well too that was definitely how was out east Uh, in quebec Mm. dude i was surprised yeah yeah like so we're spoiled here obviously Mm. and like i mean you and i and other people in the mountain bike media like we travel the world to ride mountain bikes Mm. for certain parts of the year when it's normal and like We've ridden some amazing places, but, I mean, we're from BC. Yeah. So, like, when we go places, we're always grateful to ride everybody's trails. Don't get me wrong, but, like, mm-hmm. the best trails are here. I just know they are, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and that's, like, that's not even subjective. That's just the answer. <laughs> it's, I don't, I'm
1: going to, I'm going to, for. <laughs> just keep it zipped. <laughs> keep it zipped.
0: Um, so... You know, I sometimes when we go other places, it's like, oh, this will be okay, I, mm. I bet. And we went there and we rode five different places. I don't remember the names because they were in French, so I just never pronounced them. I left that mm-hmm. to Sarah Moore. Uh, but it was amazing, dude. And especially the bikes we were on. We were on short travel bikes mm. that really suited that sort of kind of rolly, uppy downy
1: terrain. It yeah. was technical and Your good. bread and butter. Or yeah, I should say maybe... Digestive and butter in this case.
0: Yeah, lots of digestive <laughs> and butter. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was honestly a blast. Mm. Yeah, it was super
1: cool. I think I know. I've got some kind of downcountry esque bikes at the moment. Hmm. I'm looking forward. I am looking forward to just.
0: What do you have? Anything you can talk about?
1: I've got one bike I can't talk about, and I've got one. I have got one of those Factor uh, something or like that. It's like 120 mil, yeah, sort of marathon, 120 mil marathon bike. Yeah. you know they're kind of doing they're putting a XC bike on stilts. Yeah, but with a dropper post. Um, I'm looking forward to riding that. Just that feeling of it comes back to what we're saying again. You know, you ride something that wouldn't be normally that exciting, right? But your heart rate is jacked. Compression spikes coming everywhere. Right. Dude, remember Pemberton, the downcountry mm-hmm. Field test? We had
0: so much fun riding those little bikes. We had so bikes. much fun.
1: Yeah. 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 No, we did have so much fun. But I think we and you—I've talked about this before—but I think we should start doing some podcasts, like the Wilderness Podcast, where me and you we go do some stupid, horrible ride that's like a two-dayer, and we just do a podcast like round the campfire be like yeah. rode for 13 hours hated every second of it but <laughs> grinning all the time you know
0: i brought my digestives in my brick <laughs> <of butter>. <laughs> <laughs> that would think that would be a good thing to i do, think it'd though. be
1: cool i think yeah i think sometimes like you know it's like there's a thing called um i can't believe it's called it's like this, basically the idea is that before you start anything creative you write out three pages of just train of thought and now that's normally how i write my articles in general (laughs) yeah i was gonna say (laughs) unedited and just but basically what it does is it clears out it clears out a lot of the kind of clutter in your mind yeah and i think sometimes that's what kind of riding a bike is because you you ride say you ride a bike for 10 hours it's amazing you come home knowing how you feel about things and talking with clarity that perhaps you know because you just do have your thoughts just bouncing around and um i think yeah i think it'd be a super cool project
0: Speaking of three pages of nonsense and <laughs> thinking with clarity, mm-hmm. can we talk about you and headset cable routing? And oh, yeah, you were just, just trolling people, weren't no, you? No, I wasn't.
1: No, I mean, I think for that's... real, you weren't. No, I wasn't. I mean, I think that listen, there are some things that are badly wrong with internal headset routing. I think, for instance, on something like you know the Scots, we're looking at got Scott Genius over there. Yeah, I think it's a very tidy ensemble but you can't just bar height
0: yeah that's a huge thing that's a
1: huge thing yeah i think we be interested to see what this new wave of brakes is going to come out looking like we've seen these paintings go in i wouldn't be surprised if they could fit through a one and a half inch bearing yeah you know but you can do most of the things unless you're swapping a bearing which is a different,
0: different the, thing the bar height thing to me is huge the bar height thing so is so huge we, especially we test, when you've got
1: non-adjustable handlebars
0: yeah exactly so we test lots of different bikes and um, I'm comfortable on like a pretty wide range of reach numbers, which mm. I think comes from, you know, riding for a long time. Like mm. back in the day, nobody knew what reach was, but it was about 400 millimeters, <laughs> which is not long enough, but we were comfy on those bikes. So i I'm comfortable on different reaches, but man, handlebar height, like a couple mils up or down. It makes a difference. I, I, it kills me. And I can't forget about it. Like I can't knock but it out of my mind. I,
1: th- I think the thing is that with the internal routing thing is that, hmm. I think. How can I put this? I think that a lot of mountain biking media, I think especially in the video space, maybe more than the written space, is is so. And obviously, I'm going to talk about this like I'm some fucking like performance artist. Obviously, I'm not. I just turn out crap on the internet. Mm. So let's let's. I know my place. But I think that a lot of the time, people are so. There's such a amount of sycophancy in it. And they just, they just pander. And they just pander. And basically, mountain bike media is just safer and safer and safer and safer. And when I re- read something, I don't want it to just be safe and them telling me what I want to hear. Yeah. I want them to sometimes kick back. And I think that, listen, I do have, I'm probably, I think, probably I think I'm pretty middle of the road when it comes to headset reading. I do. However, I think I'm prepared to put that, because I just think, fuck it, just calm down. Yeah. Everyone, just calm down. But I'm happy to present that in quite a sort of agitative you know ardent way and i think it's it's not just the same because it would be easier for me to say oh isn't it terrible poor diddums <laughs> cables going through the
2: mm-hmm.
1: going through the head tube this is the end of the world but i think it's actually better just to sometimes be like oh, in case it's, it's i thing we're gonna need word again like authentic and just be like listen if you want to have a sensible argument say i think you know it's 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 not as black and white as being good or bad there's there's better executions and worse executions and Maybe this isn't actually in five years. We'll probably look back at this, it'll be a lot more refined, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're going to come with your pitchfork, Mm -hmm. I'm going to come with my soapbox. (laughs) You know,
0: know, I, yeah, I 100% get that. On the other hand, a bike like that Scott we're looking at right now, Mm -hmm. like that thing is incredible. Like there's, there isn't much to complain about. So, from a testing point of view, do you think that sometimes that we rag on and on about, things like headset cable riding because the rest of the bike is so damn good that like, what am I going to complain about?
1: Yeah, but I I think you're right. But it's in the same way that, you know, (laughs) a company will review the latest and greatest Audi and maybe talk about the console. Oh, the buttons are a bit finickety. Yeah. But But, listen, like, I don't want to undermine us because there is some serious journalistic work that goes on, but largely it's entertainment. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had a message the other day. That said basically, you know, you can't say this because basically I just presented my opinion. And they said, don't, don't do that because it's, it's, you're speaking with authority and people listen to you. And basically I said something. Exactly. But I, all, I said <laughs> was, why say it. all I said was that, um, you know, a pressure gauge only needs to go to a PSI because there's so many variables in tyres, it doesn't need to go to half a PSI. I've got this long message. And, um, you know, I just think that, listen, don't agree with me. I don't want you to agree. I want you to think. Yeah. And maybe that's a bit lofty ambition for a bike site, but I'm not looking for people to, to agree with everything I say. I'm looking for people to hopefully read it, hopefully enjoy it, whether they agree with it or not. Yeah. And just make their own opinions. Think, think for themselves. You know.
0: You and I disagreed about something last year, and mm-hmm. I think it's time we revisit it.
1: Barbara Streisand isn't the vocalist you make her out to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, upon <laughs> reflection, I agree. <laughs> but also. Wireless shifting, mm. AXIS. Mm. Um, oh, this
1: is a good topic, actually. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. We we did a, an entire podcast on this, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of it for all sorts of reasons. You weren't mm-hmm. for all sorts of mm-hmm. valid reasons. You, I think you nicked an AXIS drivetrain off one of my bikes. Yes. And you took it to some other foreign country and rode it forever, and I've, I'll never see it again. But I think it was worth it, because I think it
1: changed your mind. Okay, I think what it did was... No, I've spoken about this on my... I think... That that new SRAM interface, which they've kind of T deviled up with, with that universal derailleur hanger, mm-hmm. I don't think it's about resistance to impact. I think it's because those motors have a shit ton of torque. And I think that some derailleur hangers weren't stiff enough to be able to... So I think the shift was actually perfect. I mean, it's a digital robotic mechanism. Yeah, but I think there was sometimes flex coming from those hangers, yeah. because sometimes you'd ride yes. AXS and you'd be like, "This is the best shifting bike on the spire." But AXS, the shift is absolutely magnificent. Yeah, but and I don't want to um, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but listen, you saw some of these ways these universal derailleur hangers were bodged onto these bikes. They barely even fit. Some of them, like the, the you know the, the mould of the carbon, you could tell it had gone one direction, but they just put two holes in to fit a universal derailleur hanger.
2: Yeah.
1: And the shift was crap because it, the, the interface just didn't give the stiffness yeah. that it required. So listen, I've ridden a bike that has a good interface and the shift is fantastic. But I've li- rid, ridden lots of bikes with AXS. During that downcountry field test, mm-hmm. some of those shifting was absolutely terrible. It was clicking, it was clacking. And I've come to the conclusion that it's not actually about what SRAM have done. It's about how well other people are integrating it yep. into the rear end of their bikes. And that's that's yep. how I feel.
0: I have a very old and tired derailleur hanger on Mm. one of my bicycles at home. uh, And I know that derailleur is bang on straight. Mm. And it's an electronic derailleur. Like, it shifts perfectly. But because the hanger is the weak point on Mm. that thing, yeah, it's kind of like,
1: you know, every (laughs) other week I stand behind it and go... So I think in retrospect, you know, was I maybe... I don't think I was not open-minded enough i was responding to the bikes that i was riding yeah and you'd ride the same bike with xt and it shift amazingly um but it was hard for me to stomach that and, and wholeheartedly say the system's excellent with the added expense with the added weight with the added complications of a battery when the shift wasn't even that good i'm happy to go through all that if, the, if for a good shift and for a clean look and listen it looks amazing it is amazing i've seen the new prototype shifter it looks like another step towards amazing um but I couldn't wholeheartedly be like, boy, oh boy, one less cable, even though everything else is worse yeah. and and happy to be held accountable for that. Like, if I say something, it's because I I truly believe it. Very happy for people to discount it and call me an no. idiot. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But um, I stand by that. I think on some bikes, they just the bikes themselves weren't ready for the power of the motor. <laughs> Which is
0: why you pointed out that that's why we're going to see a different sort of mounting mm, I, system. I, I think it will I be.
1: Imagine. I mean, the new mounting system does look the architecture of it, it comes from both sides of the state. It does look a lot more substantial.
0: You are, or you were, doing World Cups, and mm. you were probably pretty close to some of that new stuff. Did you, mm. Have you got to tinker with it?
1: Not the SRAM stuff. Yeah. We were, we were, we were full full Shimano. Okay. Um, I heard that the new Saints coming out sooner or later. I heard there is something that works, because they do have those prototype narrow marks. it down. We'll have a new drivetrain sooner or later. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing, Saints you, 27 years old now. But you don't The funny thing is. It works great. What I loved was that. So there's a giant prototype out now, a giant downhill prototype, which is obviously going to be the new glory. But if they hadn't bought that out, it would have meant you could have ride the same giant glory and the same Shimano Saint 10 yeah. years ago, and it would still be racing. <laughs> yeah, which most, says something, doesn't it? Which says, I mean, what yeah. are they going to do with the new Saint? Maybe they could change the brakes up a bit. Maybe they, they'll probably go to that kind of split clamp design. Maybe, like I said, it'll, the mech will probably look better maybe go to 11-speed spacing. In terms of its functionality, it doesn't need to be any different. It's great. I think it's still the best downhill group set for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, they can make lots of improvements. Everybody can make lots of improvements. Mm. It's the little things. You know, it's... Like you said, it's... The company has got the derailleur down and now they're looking at the interface. Mm. You know, and Shimano's looking at other things too. The brake lever patents that we just saw on the website, Mm. we're seeing these companies... Like, there's still a master cylinder and there's still this and that and there's still this and there but the clamp itself has changed now mm. and that's going to make everything feel even stiffer like Shimano did recently with yes. the brakes. So, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, I mean, yeah. What else? I think there's interesting things like, you know, SRAM, I think have been hard at work. There's that new Boxer. There is a new, there is a new shock coming out. Tell me about this new Boxer. Beefier. Same tubes, bigger tubes? Um, bigger tubes. I've heard, I guess it will It will have that IFP, Core Sprung IFP yeah. in there. Um I've heard it's quite stiff. Interesting. Adjustments? Um, do you
0: know anything? Have you I seen
1: it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 people have been riding at the Black Box, you know, Valley Hole yep. had it. The Trek Racing guys had it. The Canyon team had it. Um, but not everyone has. And yeah, I mean, it's it's been a, been a long time in the works. It's got a whole season, maybe a season and a bit, under its belt. Yeah. It was there for pre-season, you know. Um, yeah, i, I heard it's a it's a bit, bit more of a burly boxer.
0: What a tough time, I feel like, to... Have new stuff like we're we're I think we're way past that time when like stuff would come out and it would literally be twenty percent better than the last year's mm. shit. And now I know, like, I'm not saying everything is perfect. Obviously, everybody, but like we, you know, reliability can improve, stuff can improve,
1: but it's just little steps now, yeah, dude. But yeah, but it's like you know, a new fork comes out, whole new model. What's the what's the header? What's the top thing in bold? It can now take a mudguard. <laughs> <laughs> Trail bikes get 40 mil upper tubes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I mean, you're totally right. But they are becoming very refined. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I think with downhill bikes, I find it very interesting that people are bringing out new downhill bikes in 2023. I'm very excited that they are. I we're talking. I was talking to Kaz about it, maybe one of like a burning question, finding out mm-hmm. why brands are still making downhill bikes. Not not to, I, I, I want them to. But I'm just trying to be pragmatic here. I would love to hear about volume of sale ah. compared to ten years ago, and also what's in it for them. You know, because with the with all that's happening with the World Cups, maybe the, I know the field size is getting cut. But I think it will have an implication on on X, Y, Z. This new kind of semi um, qualifying, semi final qualifying, etc. You know how how much goodwill and cheer does a downhill bike have to spread for it to be worth it?
0: People have gotten angry at me when I've talked about this in the past. Oh, should
1: we stop talking about it?
0: No, we should definitely keep talking about it. <laughs> there was a recall many years ago. I forget the company, but it was, fuck who was it? It was a big company and they like recalled their downhill bikes for multiple years and I want to say the number was like oh, 212 yeah. <laughs> like and I remember a commenter I I yeah. I was slope bikes actually and I was Somebody, I made a comment, and I was like, slope bikes don't actually, like, they don't sell slope, like, slope Mm. bikes don't make money. Like, you know, it's an image thing. That's why they sell them. And it is the same with downhill bikes. So, you know, there's the giant, it's
1: like the giant STP, maybe? Yeah. They've got a limited number of those frames. And they're like lewds or something. The set amount has been made, and that's it. And you've got to ration them. And so they've they've been sat on this back, back stock of like, this is what I got told by, by someone that was at one time supported by Giant. yeah, They have like 10 frames left. And if you break one, you've got to justify needing a new one because they, they're like, we're not going to make any more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just, it. I,
0: I think we get our glasses on and we think like, you know, downhill bikes and, and uh, downhill bikes are fucking cool. They are, are amazing. Cool. No, bikes- incredible. Yeah. And they also matter about 0%. Okay
1: we all have like our little things that make people that make you kind of cringe a bit when you read them like the same cliches yeah for me it's when people that ride i mean especially like five years ago i think when enduro was getting really big maybe a bit longer maybe like 2015 or whatever people always said this enduro bike rides just as good as a downhill bike and you look back in retrospect and you realize they were talking about like yeah a yeah, 2015 Scott Genius and being like, it rides just because of a downhill bike. <laughs> you know, like, what downhill bikes are you riding? And I think, you know, I mean, admittedly that Spire, that Norco range, yeah. they do, I mean, they're not as good as a downhill bike, but they do genuinely start to get into the same ballpark. But it is a bit of a bugbear of mine. And some, say the most ridiculous bike, this Trek Top Fuel, <laughs> it rides just like a, da- what downhill bikes are you riding?
0: I agree with you, but I think when people say that, you say what it all the time. Right? I do, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to say it all the time now. What what I'm trying to impart with that phrase might be that, well, it's not a downhill bike. I am not going to go any faster or hit anything else bigger. Like I'm at my like this bike is providing me with all of the functionality and ability and skill. That I could ever imagine, and I'm not going to go any faster or okay. do anything more on a downhill bike. I think that's what people mean when they say
1: maybe. Maybe I'm just being
0: because we all know a downhill bike is a different I animal. But,
1: but the thing yeah. is, I think maybe I feel like and again I'm talking I'm talking a lot about the past, and I, I don't want to sound you know, like I'm I'm trying to hark back to something that I wasn't really even there for. Yeah. Um, but I remember like a lot of my old like my friends that have been riding for longer at one point had a downhill bike. Yeah, and they kind of know the trade off. It's I think a lot of people now maybe got into in the last couple of years, and they've never had a downhill bike, and they don't realise just how good they are.
0: Oh, it's it's They're another world. Just,
1: <laughs> I, it's it's as good as you think it's going to be, and then better. Yeah, like especially if you went and rode like, especially one of like the the burlier sort of. You went and rode like that um, outgoing generation of comments are. Yeah, which the downhill races, you know, obviously it won so much. But they said it didn't have quite as much pop, but in a straight line, it was just amazing. You go and ride that, yeah, and compare it to your amazing 150 mil, you know, sort of stump jumper esque bike that can do everything really well. It will just, it will just shit all over
0: it. Oh, it's not. It, it's it's sort of like when people like it's sort of when people take their street car and they try to turn it into a race car. They drive mm-hmm. on the street. It ain't a race car. <laughs> like I've done it. Like that's not. It's not the thing. You know. Like you could pretend all you want, but a downhill bike. It's like a race car, like it's a very purpose-built, like mm. specific thing. And Henry, especially when you get into the downhill bike mindset, you know, like when you go to the park, your first day in the park and like you, you're getting up to speed and your second day, your third day, it's like, then it's day like 15 in the Whistler bike park and you've been riding your V10 and like things are going well. It's a whole other yeah and whole what's, game. What's yeah.
1: amazing, I think, with downhill bikes is, you know, especially the V10 is a good example. Yeah how balanced that bike is. The balance is what will just blow your mind because its rear end is so long. I think it's a four, six, seven mile reach on a large. It's not, the front isn't particularly long. But holy shit, the weight on the front expressed through your feet because yeah. because the chainsaws are so long is just amazing. Yeah. Just really, really quite
0: impressive. What I find interesting too, when we go to the bike park, I mean, what percentage of people are on downhill bikes? Less than 50? way less yeah. than 50 oh god yeah i, would I mean, imagine i think as well like people don't own downhill bikes so that's why mm, but yeah yeah
1: and un- understandably like you know if I, I advocate riding a downhill bike at some point yeah. but i don't advocate necessarily buying one i think it's a really hard place to be like if you said to somebody like listen you know that six thousand dollar bike which is amazing you got to buy another one for something that's slightly better like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense but i would say you know i was talking to my friend about it last year and he was talking about buying a mountain bike I was like, how many times a year are you gonna ride this? He's like, realistically, probably not like every day, maybe like once a month sort of thing. And it's like for the amount of money a bike depreciates, you could just rent one yeah. and be fucking done with it. Yeah. you know, Treat it like ship. it after. like don't worry about it. Don't even you don't even look at the brake pads. You'd take it out of the shop. It's a rental car. Yeah. Same with the downhill bike. I would say, I would say like if I was you know, I know it's a really exciting thought, getting your trail bike and putting your downhill tires on it and inserts and maybe some big rotors the cost of it if you're going to Whistler for the week I'd consider renting a downhill bike Yeah, from a good shop obviously and you know you, want, you don't want it to be like
0: tired old giant glory with a <laughs> blown <in> rear <your> shock
1: <laughs> but if you, can, if you can get like a perfectly reasonable you know latest generation bike yeah, yeah it'd be amazing it'd be way better than your trail bike you'd have to worry about it and you can just absolutely rally it
0: yeah well speaking of bikes Henry should we maybe talk about some gear for a little bit yeah let's do it yeah so what what kind of stuff impressed you this year Or maybe there wasn't you know, anything I maybe thought
1: there was? I thought I've been spent a lot of time on Fox and Rockshox over the years, haven't we all? Yeah, um, spent a lot more time on Olin's this year. Very impressed. Yeah, really, really, really liked it. Everything was just so. You know, that downhill fork is something very, very special. Um, really loved that. What else have I been this year that I thought was good? You know, I've got I've got some Hunt wheels on. Oh yeah, at the moment, new carbon ones. giving them an absolute battering. Yeah. That's going really well. They're probably relatively inexpensive being. Relatively hunted. inexpensive. I think they're a thousand pounds slash dollars. Um and yeah they go really well. Um I'm trying to think I haven't done as much testing as I would have liked. I'm literally looking around here. I've got well I can't talk about that. But I've got some new exciting bikes into test, which I'm really looking forward to the snow disappearing.
0: More hidden shocks?
1: Potentially. Potentially. Hidden bike hidden shocks on bikes that don't exist. Yeah. Um how about you because you loved that trek, hey
0: yeah. That thing was incredible. Mm. It was amazing. I mean, people are probably like saying they don't want to hear about it anymore, but it's, I just like, I've ridden a lot of bikes.
1: Best bike you've ever ridden? Oh
0: man. Like it is like so just- So a-
1: of the bikes you've ever ridden, you know, and it's relative to the, t- the time they are ridden, like you might've had a bike 10 years ago that blew you away that now comparatively to the bikes available we have wouldn't mm-hmm. be very good. Of the bikes you've ridden, at the time you've rode them, which is the bike that's impressed you most. That fuel. That fuel. Like the fuel? Or the
0: the fuel, the X. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I could get on that bike. Like I would be happy to never. This is this underlines it. I could buy that bike, never ride a lift and do nothing but big pedal days and be super happy with it. Mm-hmm. I could buy that bike and ride it in the bike park a couple times a week, the Whistler bike park, and also be really happy with it. Mm-hmm. What what kind of fucking trail bike does that?
1: But crazy. But Trek have kind of got rad. Yeah. We joked about it in the award the award video, but they were the, the 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 top fuel was kind of the Mondeo. Yeah. And now they're a bunch of rad dads. I know. Rad it, Dads cool brad. It,
0: like the old top fuel was fine. It was fine. Or the old fuel EX was fine. Yeah. They the fine, yeah, but There's The top, top,
1: with- top fuel is an interesting bike as well because yeah. that is now it's rad, it's cool. Yeah. But like they just basically been like, Ratchley actually that's how to put it. I and mean, that's obviously, you know, I've ridden all the treks in the past X, Y, Z, caveat, caveat, caveat. But they were just like, we are going to nail a marker to the wall for everyone else. Yeah. At top fuel. This thing, it's not going to be the friendliest, softest bike you've ever ridden. Yeah. But I tell you what, it is going to, it is going to be a live wire. And I kind of respect that.
0: I feel like they went from like a big company. They have to make bikes for everybody if they want to sell. Like, they're looking at important numbers and things, mm. you know, like they're not Contra. Contra mm. can do whatever the hell they want. Lots of other companies, smaller companies can do whatever the hell they want. But someone like Trek has to make bikes for everybody. And for them to come out with this bike that is so much better than the previous version, you mm. know, I read a comment underneath the Fuel EX review. And this person was like, blah, blah, blah. Like, why do not you just put cups in the previous version? Like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Could not be farther from the truth. Mm suspension geometry like it is just a whole other beast
1: it, it represents that shock location that uh, art that, that cross beam they put in that front triangle actually gives it a very high like a higher shock which in turn drags everything else up because i imagine trek for instance is constrained by some kind of patent or around 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 the locations of their pivots yeah because they probably have um you know intellectual property etc etc they've defended for a long time I wouldn't be surprised if putting that shock up freed up other limitations, like architecturally. Yeah, maybe. That, gave, that means they can do stuff that's wildly different to what they've done before.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know, whatever they did, but bef- like to me, that was the best bike I rode all year. Mm. Um, some other highlights, though, less expensive highlights. Obviously, the Norco. I don't think we need to keep talking about that no. bike. Like It's just good. Um, TRP brakes. Can I just
1: jump in? Yeah. Just, just in regards to Norco um obviously canadian brand yeah um they've kind of you know i'd say you know especially this kind of from the maybe 2017 i think maybe when that site came out maybe a bit later but they've been making some really smart bikes for a couple of years now mm-hmm. like really i mean, obviously they, I don't know it feels to me there was a sort of a a changing of the ways yes there 100 percent was yeah do you think that a brand like Norco that makes good bikes that are sensibly priced needs a World Cup team? Uh, because because you, you know you, you've been in the industry, you kind of see how bikes track, etc. Like there was a kind of mini uproar when they paused their team and then they quickly unpaused it. Yeah. Do you, what kind of relevance do you think that actually has for the brand? Do you think didn't they need that World Cup team? Do you think they really uh,
0: care? I think if they are paying for a World Cup team then I think they think they need a World Cup mm. team. Um, and I think just like with having a downhill bike or having a full-on enduro bike, even like mm. the range, like all those bikes sell other bikes mm. and a downhill team, it's really just marketing. Oh, of course. That goes yeah. for everybody. Yeah. All the, like It's re- That uh, it's just marketing. Like I know mm. we love the sport of it, but it is marketing 100%. And they obviously feel that that is a worthwhile place to throw some marketing money. And they're also supporting racing. I, I don't want to sound too cynical, and and giving people ri- or you know hiring people for rides, and it's a useful tool to develop bikes. I'm sure they would say, and on and on and on. But no, I don't think any team needs the racing. Like mm. there are brands out there, people love their bikes. And-
1: well, I, I think I think what racing means for different brands is quite different. Because I think, for instance, for someone like Canyon, putting as much as they have into downhill racing, yeah, I think it buys them a lot of credibility. Mm-hmm. That previously, as a sort of outsider, direct to consumer German brand, mm. compared to someone like Santa Cruz or Specialized, they might have lacked. Similarly, I mean, I think you know, whenever you talk about common sale, you have to talk about racing, yeah, because they've just dominated in this last couple of years. And so, I think I think it depends which brand. But then you see some brands, and to be honest, I think, what are you getting out of this? Yeah, you know? see,
0: like you brought up Santa Cruz there. Mm. I don't think Santa Cruz needs a World Cup team at this point. <laughs> Mm. I mean, I I don't know the ins and outs and how things work, but like, I mean, the bikes are great. I'm sure they sell them all, you know, like everybody's selling all their bikes, but it is about image and and not just Santa Cruz, but about everybody who has a World Cup Mm. team, you know? Um, And that outward image of like, like the syndicate, they're badass, dude. Like they've been racing, winning for a long time. Like outwardly, it looks like such a professional team. Mm. Um, And that... Speaks to Santa Cruz and like the bikes that they make, and mm.
1: you know, no, totally, yeah. totally. I I wonder how it's going to be with the, you know, let's face it, the incoming storm of reducing marketing budgets, because yeah, because because the, the industry just blew up during COVID, and you know, there were people sat on a shit ton of inventory. There are people, well, sorry, brands like listen. <laughs> When budgets start getting cut, marketing's often the first thing to go. And I wonder, with the sort of seismic change we're also seeing from the racing side, the Enduro World Cups that we're going to see, yeah. I, know, I also feel, and this is not a hot take, I, f- I feel like Enduro is pff, losing market share. people, as to how, people, how, m- how many people give a shit?
0: Sport of the people.
1: I couldn't <laughs> give two shit. I love mountain biking. Yeah. I'm, I'm I I flick through the photo epic maybe, that's as far as my coverage goes. And I wonder how how when in a year now now they're in the same pantheon. When you, when a team like I don't know say, Canyon, is cutting downhill riders or enduro riders.
2: Yeah,
1: like the important thing about enduro was it was different. It was an alternative. Now it's being made the same. <laughs> well, trying to make similar because it used to be something crazy like you give them a packed lunch a pat on the bottom and say go ride 10,000 meters descent over two days on blind trails mm-hmm. and we're just going to get some photos and that's going to be it now we get all the basically all the limitations of downhill um, in terms of like the like loss of romanticism like loss of kind of replicating the real riding that we're doing but on tamer trails and it's still just as hard to cover
0: well hopefully it'll be easier to cover if
1: but it hasn't been for the last couple of years and, no and
0: um, that's the big hold up And I don't, I love Enduro Racing. I mean, to be honest, I don't watch a ton of it, but But like I enjoy the idea of it. And I, I realize the athletes are doing something fucking cool. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it just brings us back to the like F1 versus WRC argument. There's a real reason, an obvious reason why a whole lot more people watch circuit racing than they do rally racing. Mm. Rally racing is impossible to cover. Mm. You have to love it and like be so into it to cover. And like Enduro Racing is similar format like all those stages and it's just hard like can you imagine being some of the photographers that have to cover that event
1: you guys out there listening like but that's what i mean but man it's so hard because it's so hard yeah you may as well make it crazy yeah go do two days of blind racing and we'll just see who's fastest i agree and like just i'm like you know especially like in chile yeah and there was those crazy stages of like you know 1500 meter drop and stuff i mean it's gnarly and it's should be it should be, yeah. and that I think is a lot more interesting. This sort of where endurance racing's going at the moment, I don't know I don't don't I don't really have any interest, and I don't think I think a lot of people are losing interest. I like all my friends; we always love the EWS. Yeah, now I can I can tell you who's won this, that, and the other this year. Yeah,
0: I I think it's different for us too, though Henry, because we are so like we're swimming in the sport you know like yeah, so for us we sort of have to pick our things that we're that we're interested in and like let's be honest like you and me are not waking up at 4am to watch a world cup downhill race live are we
1: <laughs> yeah we might have to this year with some yeah, of the plans maybe. we've got
0: oh shit <laughs> we do have some plans we do have some plans for down i don't think we're allowed to talk
1: about them too much but no. and I, I need to get if i'm gonna be racing these things mike i need to get fitter i know right
0: <laughs> <laughs> quick push-ups <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, well let's maybe we can hit on that a little bit. We have some plans for next mm-hmm. year. Uh two thousand twenty three covering races. Um Henry and I are gonna do something different. We're gonna see how it goes. And yeah. uh you're Listen, not covering you're not PBR next year, no, you're not I'm, racing.
1: I'm I'm back to my normal editorial yeah, editorial role which I'm, I'm super well I never left my editorial role I basically just took an extended leave of absence
0: just to have a nervous breakdown <laughs> on the world cup circuit <laughs> hey
1: wee fun like, can I um, invoice my therapy directly to you
0: <laughs> uh, I just need to book a ticket for me in 14 bike boxes <laughs> how am I getting to the airport
1: <laughs> yeah right something like that uh, uh,
0: Henry for you personally let's talk about next year mm-hmm. um, what do you got cooking what do you got going on wanna, for you and work for me and work I want to do a lot more video yeah,
1: I you know I I came from working at GMBN and basically to here and I I didn't want to ever do a video again in my life. To be honest with you, I was so fried. And also because, listen, when you watch one of my videos and you think, oh it's was a bit shit. Oh, he fucked that up." I also watched it and I I get angry at myself, of course. The difference is, you you hit the the cross key and you don't have to watch it again. That's on the internet forever. And I think that. I was so bad at presenting to begin with. You're so hard on yourself, but no. But and honestly, mate, wait until you see these. Fuck, watching those. Um, I've watched all your old videos before you came working for but us. Dude, watching when you watch the Pink Bike Awards video. Yeah, I was fucking trash. Oh, you're out of and, practice, and, though. Ah, yeah, you're out of practice. So annoying because that's there forever. everyone. I think I kind of um, yeah, I definitely lost my way in terms of enjoyment of videos. Yeah, and then come back to Pink Bike, you know sort of warming up a bit and I'm kind of getting that desire to um, to make speculative claims on video again that I can't Excellent. back
0: up. <laughs> Excellent.
1: <laughs> what about riding?
0: You got riding plans? I don't want you to say any goals because no, I know you don't I, want to I, say 3,000 really, feet every day for I, every single year.
1: I really, want to, um, I really want to just enjoy my riding, man. I want to ride yeah. regularly. And that sounds silly, but if I rode, you know, previous years, if you'd said, Henry, you're going to average four rides a week for the year, I'd be like, that's not very much. Now, if you said that, I would bite your hand off. Yeah, I'm super excited to get back riding and just um, get back testing. I really miss the testing. Mm-hmm. I haven't done too much of it. Mm-hmm. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, uh, more of the same, probably. I think you and I are going to do a whole bunch of video stuff mm-hmm. in the coming year, which will be good. whole bunch of ad-libbing because uh, we say, yeah, Brian, we got our script done. And then we just show <laughs> the fucking script.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who won this award?
0: <laughs> You're just there, um,
1: just like, oh, this is... And you just, just ad lib. Um, oh, I accidentally downloaded a recipe for cookies, not the <laughs> script. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> like, well, stuff is better when it's not written down. Man. I think. I think it's better. I think you just need you need your north star to yeah, guide you exactly. Um, just well, to I, keep I know, me pointing well, the you, right you direction. Know, you know that I'm pretty, but you're better at ad libbing than me. Mm. I love a scripted video, not when there's two people, but when it's just you. Just bam, bam,
0: bam. I hate a scripted video. I love, man, I I can't, love
1: like, like I love to I love the satisfaction of doing a video. And being happy with the outcome, which is important, and that's a, a different matter in itself. But being like, I said exactly what I was going to say, and the shots were exactly the shots I wanted to get.
0: You know what I would prefer is to possibly say a bunch of the wrong things and then go home, call rap, and then go home, <laughs> wake up at three in the morning and, sh- and say, fuck, that bike has a different derailleur than what I said. We've got to edit the video. Basically,
1: there's... There's there's two ways for those of you at home who are still listening unbelievably <laughs> um, there are two different schools of thought. Basically there's how you should make a video, which is where you record what's in the script and then the editor just has to slot how together. To do it together. Or there's the shotgun spray method where you just say any every single number in the every single word and number in the dictionary and then the editor has to just cut and slice. And you see it a lot in YouTube videos where they just trying to do like quick cuts yeah because they basically realized they've trying to talk about you know the latest yeah the latest scott and they've gone off on a weird tangent for 45 minutes they forgot they just to put the b-roll back.
0: over it though so you could see it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's what we do our videos but by the syllable <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. more more of that more videos with you we're going to do a whole bunch of podcasts i think we're going mm-hmm. to do way more podcasting yeah. in the coming year so i really hope so um we'll probably have more than one podcast a week throughout the year.
1: I would love to explore the idea with our viewers or listeners even about doing an off-topic podcast. This one's been pretty off-topic. This one feels pretty off-topic. But I've I've enjoyed it and like I think sometimes like just just seeing what sticks is a really nice way to go. Yeah. I'm not saying like, you know, we it's completely devoid of bikes, but I I've, am. I think that would be perfect, I mean, well that's just a gentle a soft landing, you know, but what I mean is we find someone that maybe is tangentially linked to bikes, and then we yeah, just talk about other things but bikes, you
0: know? yeah, I just want to talk to interesting people, I don't care if they're fricking firefighters or astronauts or a mm. police officer or a doctor, like I think there's a, I, I know there's a lot of interesting people out there, like the 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 lady or the guy that bags my groceries probably has interesting stories and mm. I don't know, I like talking to people, so I want to do a lot of that. Mm. And that's exactly it. We're going to do some more off-topic stuff. Uh, don't click on it if you don't like it, if you don't want to not yeah. hear about bikes. I mean, so. just be
1: safe. I wouldn't click on it.
0: Yeah, just don't click just on don't, any of them, actually. <laughs> um, and then as far as riding goes, I say this every year. I just want to do more adventures.
1: I would love to do some real big adventures. Yeah. Like multi-day.
0: Multi-day stuff. Um well, I did my first multi-day last year. Oh, did you? Yeah, it oh, wasn't a mountain bike ride.
1: Thanks for the invite. Yeah, I
0: know. I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> um, it was just a four-day thing, and it was a hotel thing. Like, I don't oh, like... Yeah, that way to do it, man. I don't credit like bags. Yeah. I don't. W- want to ride my bike how it feels, like f- like a fast, normal bike. So mm-hmm. for me, um, I'm going to do some credit card touring mm-hmm. next year. Nice. A bunch of it. Um, some adventures. There's some mines I want to go to that are way off the beaten path. Yeah. Mm. Um, some other big rides, and then we're going to do less field tests. Henry, mm-hmm. anyway, this is this involves you. We're going to do fewer field tests, is the correct way to say it, uh, but we're going to spend more time at them, so expect more videos, more quality, more in-depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that means we have to do all that stuff now, which
1: is the danger Only of I Unless it. we don't put this out, <laughs> yeah. which is probably unless on the nobody fence anyway. Listens <laughs> to it, then we don't have to yeah, do no it, one's it, just- <laughs> We can they'll tailed off by this point. Right. But do you think... Um, yeah, I would love to do I'd love to do a big multi day maybe gravel or sort of cross country escrowide. Yeah. Where you try and punch out like hundred, hundred and fifty K a day. And every night just yeah. Go like say credit card touring and, and um just shoot the shit at twenty minutes on a podcast and then put it all together. Yeah. And just be like this was the time that basically i mean it could end up being evidence in some kind of homicide case <laughs> like before you kill me or something like that he was so irritating yeah, yeah. he just half wheeled me for 500k dude that is actually exactly what i do <laughs> i remember the, the last time we wrote together you tried you you wrote you literally pushed me into a ditch and pemberton uh you started sprinting i kept up and your response was to put me into a ditch yeah no I, yeah that was the last time we rode together. Yeah, payback on the gravel five hundred. Yeah, yeah. I think that would make a great podcast. I'm actually, on my ski poles.
0: not pushing you to ditch, but the actually like we ride for one hundred and fifty k, we stop, yeah. we record, oh, we, we yeah. you know, talk I about our shit brilliant. and and like five days in a row, four or five days in a row, yeah. we oh, do no. that. And
1: I think it'd be great. And I think that, I don't know. I think the bicycle. Yes, it's uh, it's something you can dip your toe in and talk about all the things about you know, experience of riding it, et cetera. But if you can go, I've always thought that endurance riding, you know, if you want to do free ride or something, it's like jumping from a great height into water. Yeah. It takes a lot of bravery, a moment of just absolute desire. But I think endurance riding is a lot like being on the surface of the water, letting the air out your lungs and seeing how far you can sink. It's a different type of composure. That's a really good way to put it. And I think that it accesses different thoughts and, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, there are so many, and this is going to sound bullshit, but I I, I do believe it's somewhat true. There are so many, you know, I think we're all opening our minds to the different ways that thoughts can, you know, in terms of like, you can defragment your brain and reorder thoughts and and come to ideas again. And I think that for me, riding was always meditation. Yeah. Like if I rode for eight hours with someone, I I very much wouldn't intend on talking to them all the time. But just sitting in the zone, a hundred cadence and just spinning along a road, and you'll just be like that's why I'm fucked up thanks dad <laughs> 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 yep so we're going to do some therapy rides <laughs> <Yeah>. next year <laughs>
0: yeah oh it's funny it's funny eh
1: hmm.
0: well should we wrap it there maybe I think, I think that's more than enough <laughs> yeah I think that is I think that is a lot if you guys are still around I, I hope you enjoyed listening to Henry was, and I's snow I day like,
1: I hope you were happy with yourself <laughs>
0: This is a welcome to a live brainstorming session exactly. at Pinkbike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's not well. much going on. But yeah, well, we've enjoyed that. Thanks yeah. for listening, guys. That was a good chat.
0: And uh, let us know what you want us to talk about yeah, as well. Like, true. I think you guys have lots of good ideas. Maybe there's some people that you want us to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, some out-of-the-box people. Like, it doesn't just have to be racers and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. everyday people, maybe some company people. Or you know somebody that is not in the bike industry and they're doing something amazing we'd love to have him on absolutely we would love to talk to him and thanks for sticking it out for way over an hour listen to us ramble along and we'll see you next time cheers guys bye bye